0: Ready for a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda.
1: Can I at least get a participation trophy?
0: She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes
1: thank you so much raven for that beautiful introduction and hello there all my friends good day to you all welcome back to the starter zone i am your host amanda today is the 20th of february we allegedly only have one more month until spring I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I've already been spring cleaning because winter was super messy at my house. All right, let's go ahead and check out what's happening in the headlines. I got to admit, this was a huge, huge weekend for stuff, and I was not prepared for the amount of stuff. We had the BAFTA Awards, so we'll check out the winners who got ignored. NBA All-Star Weekend, the Streamer Awards, the People's Choice Awards uh payday three is announcing some updates we've got the box office numbers and more to come come get comfy my friends let's get started Let's load up some music news. Let's go ahead and start things off with a a good feel good story, you know. After an extensive global search, there's this guitar called the Hoffner bass guitar and Paul McCartney bought it for like 30 pounds back in 1961 and it's finally been reunited with the former Beatle. This is a very distinctive violin shaped bass guitar and it was reportedly McCartney's favorite and was supposedly stolen around the time that the Beatles were recording their final album Let It Be. McCartney's purchase over six decades ago, which is worth £800 pounds in today's money, was made just before the meteoric rise to fame for the Beatles. The Lost Bass Project launched a search for the missing Hoffner last year, and their efforts culminated in a breakthrough when a student shared a photograph of the elusive guitar on social media. Now, the student, Guest, claimed to have inherited the bass and revealed that it had been returned to its original owner, bringing closure to the decades-long search for McCartney's beloved instrument. Mr. Guest posted on X, To my friends and family, I inherited this item, which has been returned to Paul McCartney. Please share the news. This bass is now estimated to be worth upwards to $10 million and was bought during the Beatles tour in Hamburg back in 1961. Now, at this point, the band was pretty much mostly unknown, and they really just enjoyed touring the German city small clubs as one of their earliest overseas adventures. Now, Paul McCartney's website is... They made sure that the guitar was authenticated. Paul is extremely grateful for everybody involved. And Paul even explained that why it was so important for this guitar. He's back to back then, He's I was left-handed. Still is, but he said I was left-handed. And it looked less daft because the guitar was symmetrical. And I got into that. Once I bought it, I fell in love with it. Notice most guitars, they do have a curvature at the top, which is supposed to unless it's made specifically, if it's the curvature of the right arm. Well, Paul McCartney being left-handed, that curvature looked really funky because he had, it was upside down if he played it. So finding a symmetrical guitar like this violin-shaped one was very important to him. And then the current Hoffner executive, uh, Nick Wass, stated to The Telegraph, he said, I've worked closely with Paul McCartney's team over the years, and when I met Paul, we've talked about his first Hoffner bass and where it could be today. And Paul said to me, hey, because you're from Hofner, couldn't you help me find it? And that's what started this great search. Now, Walsh noted the prize guitar would now be valued more like a Van Gogh or a Picasso than just an instrument. Absolutely fantastic reunion for McCartney, and well done for Mr. Guest to find it and return it. That is a lot of money that thing is worth, too. All right, we got a lot to cover in the world of sports, so let's go check that out. Caitlin Clark is a six-foot senior point guard for the Iowa Hawkeyes Division I women's college basketball team. Caitlin grew up watching the most prolific scorers in Division I, and now her name sits above them. The Iowa superstar broke the all-time scoring record back on Thursday, the 15th of February, and passed to former record holder Kelsey Plum who poured in 3,527 career points over 139 games at Washington from 2013 to 2017. Clark just eclipsed that all-time mark against Michigan in her 126th game. She needed just eight points going into the game on Thursday and hit the record-breaking shot pretty early in the first quarter against the Wolverines. So how did she do it? So Clark pulls up. She's well beyond the three-point line. She's laid basically right past the half-court logo and just drills this deep shot from the left side to hit her mark. I mean, that that bucket was almost as clean as you could ask for, for a three-point shot. And it was her third shot of the night, eighth point of the day. And she pulled up in a manner befitting the moment and her persona. It was, like I said, well beyond that logo absolutely awesome shot and she just makes it look so bloody easy she wasn't done I mean that was just the first quarter of this game the start she ended up taking over her own career high of 46 late in the fourth quarter did another three-pointer in the final minutes to finish with 49 points 13 rebounds and five assists in the win over Michigan 106 to 89 the national spotlight on her right now it's going to stick for a little while she's on pace to break the all-time division one men's scoring record set by Pete Maravich and she should be able to do that within the next month. Number two ranked Iowa is a final four favorite and could win its first national championship in April. The national spotlight really kind of keyed in on Clark's chase for the record back in December. She became the 15th player in the division one women's history to score 3,000 points. She ended the season at 2,717 points, and that was a number that was boosted by this historic back-to-pack 40-point performances that she did en route to the 2023 National Championship game. Iowa fans are in love with her, and they have absolutely kept selling out Carver-Hawkeye Arena throughout the season starting back in August, and the Hawkeyes have played all but two road games, to sold sold-out crowds. Ticket sales for the potential record-breaking game in Nebraska set began selling in the hundreds to thousands and fans were lining up for hours before tip-off to get signs and Clark gear and just wait hours for autographs afterwards. In short, Caitlin Clark has breached rock star status in the world of basketball. Now, Clark is a senior, but she could opt to stay a fifth season under the COVID-19 eligibility waiver. If she opts to leave, though, and enter the WNBA draft, she would likely be the number one overall pick and would go to the Indiana Fever a week after the NCAA championship game is played in Cleveland. So we're now all on Caitlin Watch to see if she stays in Iowa or enters the draft. Stay tuned for more. Keeping in the basketball arena here, the 73rd annual NBA All-Star Game and Events took place this past Sunday, the 18th, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James faced off as the All-Star captains for the fourth time. And this year, the league went back to the East and West format. Also noteworthy, this was LeBron James's 20th All-Star selection. Now, the All-Star thing is a whole bunch of events, culminating with the All-Star game. But things actually started back on Friday, the 16th of February, with the All-Star Celebrity game. Now, the Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons attacked team Stephen A. Smith like an opposing quarterback Friday in leading team Shannon Sharp to a 100-91 win in the 2024 Ruffles NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. Now, on Saturday the 17th, we saw the ever-popular three-point contest and slam dunk competition, as well as a special event of Stephen Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu in the three-point challenge. So SQ started things off by shooting with the WNBA basketballs from the NBA three-point line, and she tallied a score of 26, while Curry, who had two perfect racks going for five for five from both the left wing and the right wing, his final rack, well, he missed the first shot, then drained the final four and finished with a score of 29. Damian Lillard cla- captured his second straight Starry Three Point Contest title on Saturday in absolutely stirring fashion at Lucas Oil Stadium, and in doing so, he became the first repeat winner of the contest since 2007 and 2008, when Jason Jason Capone reeled off consecutive victories. Well, now how about the dunk competition? Now this one was always my personal favorite. Mac McClung, six foot two, by the way. Elevated himself over retired Hall of Famer Shaquille O'Neal, so who stands seven foot one, by the way, with a reverse to go back to back in that contest. That was an amazing shot. It was so cool. As for the the All Star Game itself, well, okay. So the NBA said they want more competition. Well, they got more points instead, more than ever before. Y'all, they broke a record, and once again, the All Star Game was just all offense. All-Star MVP Damian Lillard of the Milwaukee Bucks scored 39 points, and the Eastern Conference beat the Western Conference 211-186, to 186, with the winners putting up the most points in the game's 73-year history. The previous mark, 196, by the West Conference in 2016. Look, there were so many records broken. The total points of 397 smashed the record of 374 that was set in 2017, The East made 42 three-pointers to break the mark of 35 set by Team LeBron back in 2019. The sides combined for 139... I'm sorry, I mixed my numbers up. 193 points in the first half to break the any-half record of 191 set last year in 2023. And the East tied an any-half record by scoring 104 by intermission. Defense seemed kind of optional and sometimes it was accidental 14 steals most of those coming off of just wayward passes and there were even three blocked shots otherwise it just looked like shooting practice well the NBA commissioner Adam Silver and other league executives were seeking a more competitive game after last season's 184 to 175 matchup was just people panned it television ratings plummeted I mean just It wasn't fun to watch, is what they said. And look, the athletes, they may not have competed the way Silver wanted, but they showed the fans plenty about how good they really are. They put on a good show. It had a big game, finals-type atmosphere, but obviously it was nothing near a playoff field. Donovan Mitchell threw a 50-foot inbounds pass underhanded, and bam... Adebayo inbounded a ball off of Nikola Jokic's backside before dribbling down court and making a three-point shot. And then Devin Booker went through pregame with the hat on backwards. Because why not? That's all I have to say. And as for halftime, well, Jennifer Hudson took the stage and the two-time Grammy Award winner fired up what was already an energized crowd. She did a beautiful job. Check this out. I had a dollar
0: for every
1: time they counted me out, and my back was up a I tend to forget that girl's got some pipes on her she is fantastic and it really was a heck of a weekend for some basketball now the 74th nba all-star game is scheduled for the 16th of february of 2025 at the chase center in san francisco which is the home of the golden state warriors this will be the first time for the game in the bay area since 2000 and now it's time to go racing it's that time again it is time for nascar season and time for the annual daytona 500 so a little bit of backstory the daytona 500 it's a 500 mile long race in the nascar cup series and it's held annually at daytona international speedway in daytona beach florida now the inaugural 500 was held back in 1959 Coinciding with the opening of the Speedway, and since 1982, it has been the season opening race of the Cup Series. If you go back and look at the pictures, y'all, this used to be a dirt track on the beach. Not kidding. So awesome. Anywho, the Daytona 500 is really, it's regarded really as the most important and the prestigious race of the NASCAR calendar. And it carries by far the largest purse since its inception the race has been held in mid to late february but alas my season started a little late this year thank you mother nature the 500 got postponed from sunday the 18th until monday the 19th due to inclement weather but that's okay because i still got to see it and i didn't have any schedule conflicts watching everything else now apologies and condolences to my father who decided he needed to take a vacation with my mother On opening weekend, he very rarely misses it, so he has apparently recorded it and will be watching it if he didn't get a chance to watch it on the cruise. Sorry, Dad, you missed the opening, but it's okay. William Byron was declared the winner of the Daytona 500 on Monday night as a wreck occurred just as the number 24 car received the white flag. This is the first Daytona 500 win for Byron. He made it across the line as Austin Sindrick got into Ross Chastain at the start-finish line a wreck on the final lap who'd thunk it. The two drivers slid across the grass and up into traffic but NASCAR determined that Byron was in front when the yellow flag came out on the final lap. The drivers were racing really hard with those few laps remaining. Chastain was actually out in front and somehow Byron avoided the massive wreck. The energy absolutely insane. Kevin Harvick and Clint Boyer were both in the Fox booth and they feared the big one was coming it always happens you get on these speedways Talladega is the same way you get on the speedway and you know that big wreck that's going to catch like 15 cars is going to happen and it did it did Alex Bowman who ended up finishing in second place got into the back of Byron who then caught Brad Keselowski as he got loose Keselowski caught the pole sitter Joey Logano and just started this whole chain reaction That caught even the defending NASCAR champion, Ryan Blaney. 14 additional cars were involved in the wreck. Didn't I say it's around 15? Byron, Alex Bowman, Christopher Bell, Corey LaJoy, and Bubba Wallace rounded out the top five. Heck of a way to start this season. And we will see y'all next Sunday in Atlanta. That's a fun track. It's Kind of small, but it's a fun track to go to. Anyway, time to go download some gaming news. All right, let's kick this off with a little bit of Payday 3. We haven't really talked much about Payday 3 since it released back in September, on September the 18th to be precise, because honestly, it's been a disappointment ever since this thing came out. Payday 3 ran headlong into technical troubles with its servers when it went live, which was a massive problem. Players were forced to be online. Strike one. We've talked about this before. I cannot stand the online requirement component. But anyway, so players were forced to be online even when they were playing solo. So issues with the servers meant that even the solo players were forced to wait in these really long queues to just play the game. And then the situation just got even worse when... They had a patch that was supposed to be coming out. That got repeatedly delayed. Ultimately, it didn't even come out until, like, more than a month after the game was released. And that didn't even solve the problem. Players were just so, they were less than thrilled with the state of the game when it did work. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Stop forcing games to be online all the time. This has probably been my biggest pet peeve. I don't play a lot of multiplayer, so why do I need to be online? For updates? Not enough of a reason. Just let me know. Anyway, to continue. Quit soapboxing. The net result was a predictable mix rating on Steam, and there's really like no sign of an upturn anytime soon. Recent reviews have actually just been sitting at mostly negative. And there's a tiny player account. Two hundred and forty nine. <laughs> 249 concurrent players. That is not a healthy situation for any game, let alone one that relies on a large player base for their microtransaction sales. And don't let me get distracted about microtransactions. I'm saving that soapbox for later. In case there was any doubt, Starbreeze is just, they're not happy about how things are working for Payday 3. And in the year-end financial report for 2023, the CEO said sales and player numbers are at significantly lower levels than we would like. No, really? But it's not giving up on their efforts to turn things around. So Star- Starbreeze knows there's a problem. Obviously, players know there's a problem. So what are you going to do about it? Well, Starbreeze announced a major overhaul of Payday 3, including changes to progression, matchmaking, the UI, and the always-on requirement.
0: Hallelujah.
1: So let me introduce you to Operation Medic Bag. The challenge based progression system is completely being scrapped. Matchmaking is being overhauled and a quick play option is being added. Now developers are looking into bringing back a server browser, the UI is being overhauled and this is big one, the offline mode is coming. The solo mode is gonna be rolled out in two phases initially. Solo players are going to be able to bypass the matchmaking queue completely, but will still require an online connection in order to record progression and do unlocks. Now eventually, the developers are planning to make the game playable offline, where you only have to occasionally connect to upload that progression. Now Starbreeze has also shelved the planned upgrade to Unreal Engine 5, so developers can just focus on fixing the game instead. and. DLC pricing is being, quote, reviewed. The plan to release three DLCs is still on, and a new free heist is also in the works. Now, there is no time frame on any of this work at all, but this is clearly a long-term project in whole. They're essentially redoing the entire game while it's live. That's kind of what it's coming down to. They're not scrapping it. It's kind of like watching No Man's Sky almost all over again with Hello Games. Um, But No Man's Sky was like a complete bomb, and this is an almost bomb. Now, Starbury says that they will revisit plans for a Payday 3 in-game store in 2025 once they're satisfied with the improvements that they're going to be making. Now, keep in mind, this is February of 24. That's like a year, a little less than a year. This is a Herculean effort. And the big question is, is that effort going to be enough to save Payday 3? Remember, the average concurrent player count over the last 30 days pulled up Steam charts is just 379, which is a just a disastrously low number for a co-op shooter. I played it. I quit playing it. End of story. Interestingly, though, while Payday 3 is deep, deep, deep in the tank, Payday 2, still banging. The average concurrent player count for the last 30 days was just a little over 25,000. That's roughly 100 times the number of people playing Payday 3 right now. And that is a huge, huge number. Some players were also upset by some of the previous characters not coming back. I'm a little salty that I don't have Clover anymore. um, Which is why I'm just playing the heck out of it right now when I'm on Payday 2. Um, yeah I'm still playing that so I'm one of those 25,000 that's in that number but I mean time will tell if that's going to be enough to save this heist or not 2 was so solid I mean it had its faults I'm not going to say it was the perfect gem it had its faults but comparatively to 3 2 is far superior far superior still love that game so anyways this has been a really big awards weekend in case you did know we're going to get into a lot of that but we had the streamer awards come up this last weekend now that is an annual award show dedicated to live streamers it's relatively new it was only founded back in 2022 by twitch streamer qt cinderella in order to award and celebrate other streamers primarily in the twitch community but youtube is involved as well nominees are selected by an online vote by fans and winners are then determined using a weighted combination of the ever a popular online popular vote and a panelist vote now the show two segments it's a red carpet show that has interviews with the nominees and other internet personalities as they arrive you know like most gay award shows and then the main show where the nominees are reviewed and they get their, their trophies right the 2024 edition of the streamer awards took place at the will turn in los angeles california back on the 17th of february we had fans from around the world that voted across 28 categories, I think. Yeah, 117 nominees and 28 categories that made up this year's edition. The host this year was QT Cinderella alongside Pokimane. But all eyes were on whether Kai Sinat would go back to back with Streamer of the Year or not. Well, did he? And they did. And they did. Well, the night did, in fact, belong to Kai Sanat, who locked in that Back-to-Back Streamer of the Year award, as well as receiving Best Just Chatting Streamer and a nomination for Best Streamed Event. Sanat beat out Quackity, Iron Mouse, Jinxie, and Queso. Now, Jinxie went on to pick up Gamer of the Year. Streamer's Choice Award went to Liam, where Queso picked up Best Variety Streamer, and Iron Mouse picked up Best VTuber. So they didn't all go away empty-handed. Now, best streamed event, though, that went to Ludwig with Creator Dodgeball World Championship. That was insanity to watch. Go YouTube it. It's phenomenal. The fans chose Stream Game of the Year for Lethal Company. Y'all, okay, this is a list. I'm not even hitting half of these categories. I'm just going to drop the link for the whole winner's list. Funny part, though, Kai Sinat wasn't even at the awards to accept the trophy. Where was he? He was live-streaming him, actually watching the awards from a hotel over in Indianapolis. Sound familiar that location? Look, Bro pulled up to the NBA All-Stars events, even played in the Celebrity Tournament, and then collaborated with Balt- Boston Celtics star Jalen Brown in the slam dunk competition. Not kidding, he was on the court, so Sanat's big moment came on Brown's second dunk of the night. And although his responsibility was just to sit still and... He was the centerpiece of the dunk the dunk itself here's how it went brown's teammate jason tatum came out fed him a lob on the dunk sanat was just seated in a chair in front of the hoop brown caught the pass dunked over sanat's head and finished with a nod to d brown very busy week for kai he was watching you can see it on, the, on like the, you can youtube this one and watch as he's watching the stream rewards they call his name he's jumping up and down screaming i mean big huge moment for him so congratulations to Kai for winning second streamer of the year busy week for him the NBA streamers and oh right wait I haven't even got to the last couple of sets of awards so I think it's time for some entertainment news Okay, first up, the 77th British Academy Film and Television Arts Awards, most commonly known as the BAFTAs, were held on the 18th of February, honoring the best national and foreign films of 2023 at the Royal Festival Hall within London's South Bank Centre. Now, the BAFTAs are just one of many of these award ceremonies that they're considered the precursors to the Oscar. And it is said that this is one of at least two shows that typically are indicative of who's going to win the golden statuettes. And well, to the surprise of few, Oppenheimer swept the Baftas on Sunday night, winning awards for director Christopher Nolan and actor Killian Murphy, as well as taking home the prize for Best Film. Overall, the movie took home seven golden BAFTA masks, with Poor Things coming in second place with five wins. BAFTA Chair Sarah Putt opened the ceremony welcoming the star-studded audience, which included Prince William. Now, William showed up. He was without his wife, Catherine, Princess of Wales. She's at home continuing to recuperate from her abdominal operation from a couple weeks ago. William is actually the president of BAFTA, but he didn't give a speech because there's speculation um, that he's kind of not really wanting to be in the spotlight so much right now. Simply because his father's battling cancer King Charles III is battling cancer and the gossip rags and everybody else is talking about his secession to the throne and when that's going to come and honestly I wouldn't even be in the public spotlight as much as I could if my wife was at home recovering and my father's battling cancer and I'm next for the for the the throne yeah I'd say I would show up but I'd keep my mouth quiet too but that's me In her speech, Putt said she was sending Catherine and the King our very best wishes before handing over to the night's host, star David Tennant. Look at
0: these people, these human beings. Consider their potential from the day they arrive on the planet and blinking step into the sun. There is more to see than can ever be seen. More to do than, no, hold on. Sorry, that's the Lion King, but the point still stands.
1: Yep, that David Tennant star of Doctor Who. Tennant opened the show with a pre-recorded sketch that was inspired by his lockdown series Staged, which featured co-star Michael Sheen, as well as Sheen's dog, Bark Ruffalo, plus a host of famous faces, including Tom Hiddleston and Judi Dench. Tennant then took the stage wearing a kilt with Bark Ruffalo in tow. He said, Tonight's going to go smoother than Ken's chest, referencing the plastic doll played by the hairless torsoed to Ryan Gosling and Barbie. Presenters during the evening included, included David Beckham, who handed out the Golden Mask for Outstanding British debut, and Dua Lipa, who was there to present the world for Outstanding British film. Meanwhile, Sophie Ellis Baxter sang her Saltburn hit, Murder on the Dance Floor.
0: Murder on the dance floor. You better not kill the groom. DJ. Gonna burn this goddamn house right down.
1: Some of the most moving moments of the night, though, came when Ted Lasso star Hannah Waddingham performed a specially arranged cover of Time After Time during the In Memoriam segment, which honored stars including Tina Turner and Michael Gambone. But in my opinion, okay, so this is the part. That made me tear up, and that was the surprise presenter for Best Film Award. Arriving on the stage in a wheelchair before standing to present the award, the beloved actor, Michael J. Fox, was greeted with extended applause and a standing ovation. To present it,
0: we have a true legend of cinema. He was the film star of the 1980s. His charitable foundation has raised over $2 billion dollars. He was Marty McFly in Back to the Future, Michael J Fox! Thank you very much um five films are nominated in this category tonight and all five of have something in common they are the best of what we do no matter who you are or where you're from these films can bring us together there's a reason why they say movies are magic because movie movie can change your day it can change your outlook it can sometimes even change your life
1: absolutely outstanding to see michael j fox there Now, so we had some standout winners there. Obviously, I mentioned Oppenheimer for Best Film, Director, Supporting Actor with Robert Downey Jr., Leading Actor with Killian, Best Editing, Cinematography, and Original Score. Uh, Emma Stone took Leading Actress for Poor Things, The The Boy and the Heron, took Best Animated Film, and Divine Joy Randolph with Holdovers took Best Supporting Actress once again rest of the list down below there's a lot there was a little bit of extra drama at the awards too and BAFTA has responded really strongly about this so so final categories up fox is on stage and he's announced the award for uh best film which goes to Oppenheimer and the cast some of the cast gets up there you had uh Christopher Nolan Emma Thomas, who's a a producer, as well as Charge Charles Rovin and Killian Murphy. They all go up on stage um after Fox makes the announcement. And here's this guy who just shows up on stage. He just appears right behind everybody while um it was Emma Thomas was given this little speech. And he crashed the, the stage. The man is apparently an alleged social media prankster, and Variety magazine opted not to name this guy. But BAFTA, the, their spokesperson said, a social media prankster was removed by security last night after joining the winners on the final stage. Uh, and we're taking this very seriously. We don't wish to grant him any publicity by commenting further. Honestly, very few in the audience and even those watching at home appeared to even realize that this guy didn't belong on stage. He just stood there silently between Killian and... And Roven and Emma Thomas, she's given her acceptance speech and didn't realize he wasn't part of the team. No one responded as he joined them. You know, they're up on stage. They're focusing on the fact that they just won an award. The confusion, though, it was likely partly caused because in a very lucky twist, the man began making his way onto the stage just as Emma Thomas accepted the award from Fox and was urging the rest of the Oppenheimer cast, including Emily Blunt and Robert Downey Jr., to leave their seats and join them saying where are you come on all of you and that's when the guy shows up now the rest of the team they remained in the audience they wanted to get let thomas deliver her acceptance speech and when the when she finished up the auditorium began to clap it appears the man tucked something under his arm and began clapping before walking off stage with her nolan Roven, and killian murphy then it was then bafta intercepted and apprehended him with their security team Now, Variety won't name names. I understand. You don't want to give the trolls their 15 seconds of fame, but I am not one of those people. The internet comes through, and they did. The YouTuber in question is a guy by the name of Liz Wani. He has a history of infiltrating award ceremonies, including the FIFA Balloon d'Or and Brit Awards in 2022. No charges have been filed, but some are now questioning of security protocols as to how Lizwani got in and how he even got so close to the stars but so far no information has been leaked you know because they're not going to really admit to anything. Alright class now for a pop quiz what name or names did I not mention as winners? I'll give you a moment ready? Okay if anybody said Barbie Greta Gerwig or Margot Robbie you get a cookie And boy, did the fans get mad at that apparent snub. So, look, it's been well known before I was born that just because people love a movie and it sells well at the box office, it doesn't mean it's award-worthy. Lord of the Rings is the exception. Which brings us to the People's Choice Awards. These are fan-voted awards, and the show was hosted by Simu Lui, on Sunday the the 18th, and this was at the Barker Hangar in Santa Monica, California. And even though he was on hosting duty, the actor was actually nominated for Movie Performance of the Year for his role as one of the Kens in the Barbie movie. With the addition of some new categories, including Male and Female Country Artist of the Year, there were 45 total awards handed out. Among the many nominees included Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, the pop star earned five nods for both her music and box office breaking the era's tour concert film while the Kansas city chiefs player was nominated for athlete of the year. Well, who took movie of the year? None other than Barbie also grabbing comedy movie. Ryan Gosling took male movie star for his role as Ken. Then Margot Robbie grabbed an award for female movie star America Ferreira won movie performance of the year. So Barbie kind of got redeemed with the People's Choice Awards. Now, Oppenheimer did take best drama movie, and surprise, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, took best action movie. Now, all right, this one caused some eyebrows to raise, especially when it was announced that Rachel Ziegler took action star of the year. Okay, small personal protest. She beat out Keanu Reeves from John Wick 4 and Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. The fan vote has spoken, but I'm going to respectfully disagree with that one. Anyway, Travis Kelsey did indeed walk away with Athlete of the Year and Taylor Swift pretty much just sashayed out with Social Celebrity Concert Tour Pop Artist and Female Artist of the Year. There were so many categories and a lot of TV shows and comedy acts won their parts as well with looks like uh, Selena Gomez. Uh, Her show Only Murders in the Building came out with some trophies, too. There are still a lot of award shows coming up. The next big one is the SAG Awards, the Screen Actor Guild Awards. That's coming up on February the 24th. So I'll cover that one next week. And then we wait for March 10th. And the Academy Awards, the big enchilada, the one that we've been building for. And you know what? (laughs) Just for funsies, I think I'm going to check out the Razzies this year. That one is coming up on Saturday, March the 9th. And I'm seeing some gems on this nomination list. So stay tuned for that coverage coming up next month. And speaking of movies, let's go see what happened at the box office this weekend.
0: It's time for the box office breakdown.
1: Argyle has been our number one for like, what, two weeks? Well, now we gotta see did it hang on for week number three? did no such thing paramount's musical biopic bob marley one love ruled in its box office debut beating expectations with 28.6 million over the traditional weekend and 52 million during the six-day holiday stretch that's the stretch that goes from valentine's day to president's day it was initially projected to only generate about 30 to 35 million during that six-day time frame but it experiences really quick uptick because audiences were just completely digging it and it landed a really encouraging A on Cinema Score from the moviegoers. Now critics on the other hand were not as fond of the by numbers telling of Bob Marley's life and music career. It only got like a 43% of Rotten Average on Rotten Tomatoes. But what do the critics know, right? Well the songwriter's son Ziggy Marley even said in a statement, my family and I are honored with the amazing response to Bob Marley One Love. Like my father's music, this movie is meant for the people and his message of peace, love, and unity is que- clearly connecting with audiences around the world. We thank the people for embracing this film and in doing so is helping to highlight the message of One Love. Ticket sales for One Love easily led in North America over fellow newcomer Madam Webb. That's Sony's superhero suspense thriller starring Dakota Johnson as a paramedic with psychic abilities and an association to Spider-Man. That opened in second place with 17.6 million over the traditional weekend and 26.2 during the same six day period. Those are really disappointing figures considering Madame Webb was an $80 million production and of course tens of millions more to promote and put in theaters. This is the latest entry in the studio's hit-and-miss universe of Spider-Man characters, anchored by the commercially successful Venom and the less-embraced Morbius. But even the critically derided Morbius managed to sink its teeth into $39.1 million in its three-day debut. Ouch. Now, to be honest, let's be realistic about this, though. They're now kind of starting to pull more obscure characters from from the comic books not unknown just more obscure that a mainstream comic book fan may not be aware of you know, I've heard of Morbius I've never heard of Madam Web but I'm not an expert in comics so you have a character that potentially could be cool hey it's a Spider-Man character but we're so burned out still on superheroes and films of that like that I don't think the excitement is there. You're looking at Morbius. Okay, Morbius ticking $39.1 million. There was a little bit more hype with Morbius, and the fatigue was starting to set in. It's now really set in. Because, I mean, look, Madame Web has a very tenuous connection to Marvel Comics, and there's this streak of failures in the last couple months. We're talking the Marvels. The Flash, Aquaman, and The Lost Kingdom, Kingdom, Ant-Man, and Quantumania, they all, I mean, they all failed pretty harshly in 2023. And they're still going to continue to pump these movies out. But I think it's hard to really compare Morbius to Madam Web just because we're looking at two different time frames, two different mindsets of, of the, the fan base. We're just tired, man. We're just really tired. Anyway, in a third distant place, Matthew Vaughn's spy thriller Argyle, collected 4.72 million over the 3-day weekend and an estimated 5.5 through the holiday on Monday. After 3 weeks of release, two of which were spent at number 1, Apple's $200 million budgeted caper has grossed a tragic 37.2 million in North America alone and 76 million globally. Universal and Illumination's animated comedy Migration moved back up to number 4 with 3.7 over the weekend, 5 million through Monday. And after nine weeks of release, this awesome family film has grossed 116 million at the domestic box office and 254 worldwide. Wonka, starring Timothy Chalamet as the fiction, fictional chocolatier Willy Wonka, has rounded out the top five for the weekend and remained at the top of, of this box office chart ten consecutive weekends. The Warner Brothers film added 3.4 million over the weekend and 4.4 through President's Day. This $125 million movie has become a huge financial success. $210 million in North America, but $604 million worldwide. Now, in other Timothy news, his next release is just around the corner. March 1st, we'll see the release of Dune Part 2 that stars Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Okay, enough with all that. Are y'all ready for some odd news?
0: And now for something different.
1: Living in kind of a beachy area, you kind of, you, you get to the point where you realize that some really weird things and sometimes the oddest things will just show up on a beach. Especially during sea slug season. Yeah, that's really creepy. But anyway, a woman was walking her dogs on a beach in British Columbia and she made it this, this surprising discovery among the trash that washed up with the tide. Her own long lost wallet. Marcy Callowert said that she and her dogs were on this beach in this remote island where she and her husband live near Tofino when she spotted something kind of familiar in the sand. She told the local news, I knew right away and it stopped me in my tracks. Callowert, who chronicled this discovery on TikTok, said she dropped a wallet in the water while boarding a boat back in June of 2023. She said where we live, we don't have a dock and we have to canoe to our anchor buoy where the boat is. I had my wallet in this unzipped pocket of my backpack. I had forgotten to zip it. Then when I went to go hop into the boat from the canoe, I heard a splash. But I just assumed it was the way the water was splashing. I didn't think anything of it. Callowert said she had a diver search for the wallet shortly after it was lost, but they had no luck. She said the wallet, the cash, the cards, and the ID are still in remarkably good condition after showing up on the beach. She said the only damage is that the zipper was corroded. Somewhere beyond the sea Somewhere waiting
0: for me My lover stands on golden stands And watches the ships that go sailing
1: And speaking of seas, let's talk stingrays. I would like to introduce you to Charlotte. Now, Charlotte is a rust-colored stingray the size of a serving platter. And she has spent much of her life gliding around the confines of a storefront aquarium in North Carolina's Appalachian Mountains. And yet, nature has found a way because the aquarium owner has said the stingray is pregnant with at least four pups and could give birth in the next two weeks. Life uh finds a way. Okay so why is this so special? The thing is Charlotte is in a tank with other with like sharks. There's no other stingrays with her. She's by herself. An expert on the stingrays said it would be impossible for Charlotte to have mated with one of the five small sharks that share the tank, despite news reports suggesting that might be the case after Brenda Raymer joked about a possible interspecies hookup. Now, Brenda is the executive director of the Aquarium and Shark Lab on Main Street in downtown Hendersonville, North Carolina. The small aquarium is run by Brenda's educational nonprofit, Team Echo, which encourages local school children and others to take an interest in science. The biggest lesson now is on the process of parthenogenesis. Trip over that one. That's a type of asexual reproduction in which offspring develop from unfertilized eggs, meaning there's no genetic contribution by a male. It's mostly a rare phenomenon, but it can occur in some insects and fish, amphibians, birds and reptiles, but not mammals. Now, Documented examples have included uh, California condors, Komodo dragons, and yellow-bellied water snakes. Katie Lyons, a research scientist at the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, who is not involved with the North Carolina Aquarium, said that Charlotte's pregnancy is the only documented example that she is aware of for this species, the round stingray. But Lyons isn't really that shocked. Other kinds of sharks, skates, and rays a trio of animals that are often grouped together have these kinds of pregnancies while they're in the care of humans now brenda says she and the others at the nonprofit at first thought charlotte had a tumor because they noticed a lump on her back that was quote blowing up like a biscuit there's a southernism for you but an ultrasound revealed her pregnancy brenda said we were all like shut the back door there's no way and we thought we were overfeeding her but We were overfeeding her because she's got more mouths to feed. Charlotte is currently living in a tank that's about 2,200 gallons, which is nearly the size of a construction dumpster. But Brenda says they're hoping to get a tank nearly twice that size to accommodate Charlotte's offspring. And they also want to put live cameras up for people to be able to see them. Congratulations to Charlotte. We look forward to seeing her pups very soon. Now this next story, I took a tiny little part I was slightly involved, and I'm only going to claim that small celebrity because I can. So, Pearl Lipscomb was a lady who turned 103 years old, and she, to celebrate the West Virginia care facility that she lives in, banded together and decided, we're throwing her a party. I mean, heck yeah, 103, I'll celebrate too. Lipscomb's son, Randy, said slowly but surely, birthday cards started pouring in. And by the end of January, more than 400 birthday cards from 41 states had been received. Now, a week or so before her birthday, this is where I caught the story. The facility sent out a message across social media and saying, requesting birthday cards. And they highlighted the states they hadn't received cards from. So I saw the list. I'm like, okay, I got this. So I shared it and I tagged family members in Utah and Tennessee asking for their help. Whether they did it, I don't know. But I shared it, it got shared out, so on and so forth. And a few days before the big party, the facility reached its gold. It got her a card from every state in the United States, but they also received cards from other countries. This thing went viral. Great Britain, Ireland, Israel. I mean in a total, Lipscomb received more than two thousand cards, according to her son wasn't the only surprise that the center had in store. Now, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin sent a a memorandum that was hand-addressed to not only Pearl, but all the residents of the nursing home, and then the mayor of Bellington, West Virginia, showed up with a representative to provide a birthday message on behalf of the governor, Jim Justice. Son Randy said it's a remarkable thing that the nursing home has done for her. Lipscomb said his mother, who was born on a sheep farm back in 1924, 1921 in Dry Fork, West Virginia volunteered in the community for more than 20 years so this party was just a way for the community to give back he said let's always recognize our senior citizens and she's part of what is known as the greatest generation she was and people liked her worked, raised kids and did a pretty darn good job of taking care of the community happy birthday to Miss Pearl so glad we were able to get your cards Let's see you in 104. So many awards and birthday cards and events this past weekend. We had People's Choice. We had the Streamer Awards, the BAFTAs, the All-Star NBA Weekend, Uh, A Missing Guitar got returned, Payday 3 isn't dead yet. They're working on some revamps. And we had a new number one at the box office. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today, and I do want to remind you, I include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop us a comment or send us an email if there is a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun.
0: Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show we invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you see you next time in the starter zone